0: W IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. What the Soap, WTS and Company in Prattsville for soaps and lotions made on site, locally handcrafted candles, pottery, jewelry, art, and gifts, and a hand-picked selection of books on homesteading, nature, and local history. WTS and Company in the Prattsville Plaza and online at whatthesoap.com. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center on State Route 10 in Walton for disposal and recycling, open 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center information about materials and disposal fees at 607-832-5800 or see the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at wioxradio.org. Peekamoose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian for farm to table cuisine, seasonal specialty cocktails, and local craft beers. Peekamoose Dining Room, Tap Room, Lounge, and Outdoor Deck. Open Thursday through Monday at 5 p.m. Dinner reservations recommended 845 254 6500. 845 254 6500. Hi. I'm Mark Bierman, host of Mark Beerman Sports here on WIOX Roxbury. I'm also a former nationally ranked tennis player and the current women and men's head tennis coach at SUNY Delhi. As director of tennis at Tennis Everyone for 15 years, I've been teaching kids, adults, and seniors from beginners to
1: tournament level players. Tennis Everyone, a supporter of WIOX,
0: offers individual and group programs to players of all skill levels, as well as weekly women's, men's, and doubles clinics, and also partners players for off-site play. Information about
2: Lessons with Tennis Everyone at 845-254-4400 or
0: mark at tenniseveryone.com.
3: Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC, Cable TV Channel 20, on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, worldwide at WIOXradio.org, and on any mobile device radio FM app. This is From the Forest, every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going?
4: Good. Good, Ryan. How are you doing?
3: All right what have you been up to zane
4: uh what i've been up to i think the last time i was on the radio show between then and now uh i was living in kingston and i finally relocated to margaretville
3: no kidding and you like I'm margaretville <laughs> yeah <laughs> commute's a lot better yeah i Commute bet darkville Save you some gas money too geez yeah this this In this economy yes yeah. that's for sure yeah no doubt um, nope just been messing around with uh, hemlock logs stripping them and doing my little t- uh, hobby tanning deer skins into leather stuff but uh, this is the time of year for those of you interested in taking the bark off of a tree <laughs> but uh hemlock's the easiest tree to, to strip the bark from I feel it's pretty nice and there's a lot of dying hemlock so it's not like you're wasting them there's unfortunately that woolly adelgid is sweeping through and uh, there's plenty of Hamelot trees to choose from out there. But tonight's show is sustaining local with Hoppy Quick. Hoppy, how's it going? It's going pretty good. What have you been up to?
2: Uh sustaining local. <laughs> <laughs> That's tonight's show, right? Pure yeah, th- trying to stay alive in the Catskills. Trying po- to survive. Post pandemic. Well, this
3: is like maybe your fifth time on, but let's, you know, for those of who haven't listened in the past, you know,
2: who are you? Um I'm a wood carver, uh woodsman, I guess forager um whatever whatever i feel like doing i guess creating mostly out of trees yeah so you
3: so your family's been around for a while um uh,
2: yeah since uh 1600s yeah is that right but before that they came from manhattan so you know (laughs) the old man yeah
3: yeah so you're like a city guy is what you (laughs) said. yeah i I, i'm a
2: transplant yeah (laughs) yeah
3: well that's what we're going to talk about tonight though uh some of that and you know it's a little bit of a political issue it's a little bit of a cultural issue but it does impact the forests um and since covid-19 there's been a lot of changes up in these mountains culturally speaking yes so for sure. yeah let's let's get into that um a lot of challenges with being local today but let's i guess let's define the terms right what is local well, how would you define
2: local you know i know i know people that have been here 2 years 5 years 10 years, it doesn't matter, from New York because, you know, straight up, this the Catskills has been a bedroom community for New York for a lot of years. You know, my family lived under the Ashokan, uh, some of them. And, uh, you know, New- it's not the first time people from New York didn't come to the Catskills to enjoy what we have here. But um, And we've made a living, you know, taking care of the properties, um, m- m- Carpenters, you know, masons, whatever, uh, loggers, house cleaners. You know, we have that now. Um, the only difference is, I think, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, we always had those people, and they were always part of the community, and they melted into the community. They didn't try to change too much, and um, I believe there's a there's a new group of people coming up that want to be part of a community, and it's just that because we have this, there's like this us and them mentality now, or there's this big division.
3: And it wasn't like that before you feel? No,
2: it wasn't like that when I was younger.
3: Huh, interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me that uh,
4: local means, I guess broadly speaking, knowing things and knowing people. Because when you're new to an area, you don't know anything, and you don't know many people. And that's kind of my experience when I moved down here two years ago from central New York, Syracuse, Um, but uh, came down here for a job. But uh, it was more than that, you know, I wanted a community. I wanted a place to fit in where I knew people and they knew me and there was a network there.
2: I think that's the key word right there if you were to define local. Somebody willing to be part of a community. You know, you could come from some other place and you can move here and say, I don't want anybody to bother me. I don't, I just wanted, I just, you know, which is cool if that's what you want to do. But when you have a surge of money and people that came up because of this pandemic, and actually Mm 9-11, and then now this, um, it is, uh, you know, the the local community is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And mostly because this us and them thing has made this separation between, you know, they're from the city. I don't want to say the word some of the local guys (laughs) use, but... Because uh, I don't really like it. I I, I yeah. think you got to kind of extend a hand to them. Yeah, I
3: don't I don't like those derogatory yeah. terms.
2: Uh, and I think uh, I think if you do, I think it's all about educating right now. And and like you said on the way up here in the truck, uh, it's a state of mind. Local's is a state of mind. I don't care. I know people that have lived here their whole life, and I can tell you that right down the road where you walk, you'll see tires thrown over the bank. They're local. Yeah. But they don't understand what the connection we, and respect we have for these mountains and streams. Uh, but then you could have somebody moved up here two years ago from New York who has more than enough respect and love. And uh, so right now, I think what some of the locals have to do, and I mean, not only just the locals. I mean, I have friends that are there post 9-11. And they're like, oh my God, we just got overtaken. And then they're, they're more like with the attitude of the local community. And uh, how do we tear down the walls that people put up? Because you know, honestly, if we wanna survive, if a local person wants to survive here, it's about community. And it's about uh, building that community to be a little bit bigger. And you're not gonna do it with local people because if you go old school local, like my family, there's not enough left. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like cultural clear cut, and now we're seeing what, regener- what
3: regenerates almost. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a way. Um, what you Satan saying?
4: Well, I think, uh, yeah, strong communities are places where wisdom is shared. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of wisdom to be shared by different people, different walks of life. And people just got to be receptive to good ideas.
2: And, and and then how is that wisdom usually shared? Stories, stories from the old timers.
3: There's no really no place to, there, I won't say no. There's fewer places where people of different age groups converse with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the loss of the bar, I feel like was a yeah bad, a bad thing. Church too. Yeah, we we're talking about church and church we is closing down church. up here. Yeah, yeah. I grew up going to New Paul Dutch Reformed, but it was a place that people kind of congregate and. We don't have that in person place of different age groups. I'm not talking about like the bar of New Paltz at 2 o'clock in the morning where it's only 20 something year olds. Yeah. I'm talking about like different age classes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big loss. You know? It is. I mean, we have Teta's in Sampsonville. Oh, uh, yeah. It's great. There's morning meetings there. If it sure. wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't see you that much.
2: Yeah, uh, that's right. You know? uh, but it's true. That's how we set up this uh, this come up to the radio program thing.
3: When I lived in Margaretville, because Sampsonville. Uh, before Teta's, you know, when Teta's shut down for a little while, it was hard to meet people. Yeah, you know. Um, but Margerville is more of a community because you have you have a grocery store, right? You have a bank, right? You have places. I don't know if people go to the bank anymore, not as much. But the grocery store is a big deal, right? The you know you see people, and I I, I got to know more people in Margerville when I lived there for uh, seven years than most places I lived in Ulster County. I mean, seriously, than I did in Gardner. Yeah. You know? But I think it takes being curious about the people who live there and have lived there for a while as well. And I feel like some of that curiosity is not, it's not translating today.
2: Well, you know, Ted definitely is a hub. Yeah. And I see i see all kinds of people coming through there. And I'm am grateful they're open because they're like an oasis out there and where we live, you know? To go get gas now to run around when everything's a half an hour drive, you know.
3: Yeah, it's a special place though because he caters to both city and local people. Yeah, you yep. know. Sometimes, like some of these city the people who move up from the city, they want to sell what they want to sell, but not necessarily what what they, what people want. Do you know what I mean by that? I think, like, like for example, milk. Yeah, it can be the most special milk from Columbia County somewhere, or it could just be Boyce Dairy that right. you can afford. Still New York based, by the way. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's I remember saying this to another person. Won't mention names. It Was like, sell. I don't smoke, but sell cigarettes. People want to want cigarettes. <laughs> a yeah. local guy wants a pack of smokes. Right. And mm. maybe a cheap
2: dozen eggs and butter. Well, you know the eggs. You you know? Know? The eggs of come from uh, Ingram's farm. That's great. Yeah.
4: Yeah, a lot of products people have. You know, there's value behind them. It shows that you, if you're a seller, you value this product. You value this point of view, but. Um, Sometimes you can exclude things that are valuable to other people.
2: Well, as a local artisan, Marty's Mercantile, Tettis, has they sell, my, they sell my stuff, and they sell other people's art. Cool. You know, if you, just, if you make something, you know, they buy my T-shirts, they, uh, my cutting boards, um, walking sticks, you know, yeah. whatever. They, they're happy to support local artisans, you know. Right. Marty, Marty's Mercantile and Tedda's and, Tettis, and the Olive Country Store out in Shokan.
3: Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's another kind of place that kind of caters to both, I would say.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, you got them all around. Phoenicia, all these little hamlets yeah. have have their place, you know, their deli. and. So, you know, we're
3: calling tonight's show with Happy Quick, Sustaining Local. Why is local less sustainable today than it was maybe 10, 20, 30-plus years ago?
2: I think because of the communi- communication breakdown, I think this whole thing – I, I'm not p- political at any. I, I identify as nature. I don't even <laughs> think I'm a human being. <laughs> Do they have a primary? That's another yeah, episode. <laughs> that's it. I identify as nature. Uh, the, uh, the political thing. There's been this division now in our country, and um, and then it went into the pandemic, and there was division there, Got worse. and then it was division in the vaccines. There's been there's just been division all the way through, and when you carry that, there's this us and them mentality. And you got to take people for who they are. You can't throw people into a category and judge them all the same. And uh, I'm trying as an old time local. And uh, there's old, older, old, older than me, local. And there's people that I know that are only here a few years, and they have that. They want like we just talked about our friend Kenny Lucas. You know, Kenny is. He's got that local state of mind he's curious he's curious but you know kenny came to my house he came to you he came and reached out and wanted to meet people you know and kenny's not kenny's a farm boy from out in long island to watch what's happening in the catskills happen in the hamptons it was farmland he's a cowboy he was riding horses up through there and then when the when the hamptons got gentrified everything just kind of they got pushed out
3: and, well, yeah let's talk about that word because you know you are talking about in town of Rochester, they want farms. You were saying, right? Well, they I think, but there's, they're not. They but they feel like they're not really farms. What were you saying about that? Well, year? a
2: lot of the farms there's 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 uh, there's pros and cons of everything. Some of the old farms were falling down. People from the city bought them, paid an exuberant amount of money for them, yeah. dumped a lot of money into them, resurrected these old seventeen hundred stone houses, and, and beautified, saved the farm. Itself the structure a lot of people but put to work too. It would be nice to start to see people want to come and create working farms, you know more working farms more uh, uh, Usable space like that that you know, and a- as we go through uh, Off-grid living, I mean there's more Enthusiastic people coming from New York that want to you know, probably a lot of local boys are gonna be like what the hell is Hoppy doing? but uh yeah. I really am passionate about this. I think we really need, you know, for any locals up there, out there, to think like, ah, uh, you know, we, we got to make a stand. No, th- th- you can't make a stand because it's not going to – listen, we're very <laughs> – I, I just did this at the town board, the story Horton, hears a who. Yeah. And I went to a board meeting, and I said the town board has to be like Horton. Horton's the elephant that could barely hear somebody on a dust speck. The community is the dustbeck, and the people that live on there, they're called the Who's. But, you know, in a community, we have firemen, we have the ambulance people, we have civil service, we have different – we have people that service these homes, these properties, and uh, they're the Who's in Whoville. And the town boards of all these little towns, not just Rochester, have to listen to the dustbeck. And it takes every voice in that dust speck. And it and it's small – when I go to a town board meeting, which I don't usually do, but I'm finding that I need to do it now because I have to add my voice to somebody's else, else's voice who who was doing short-term rental on a property through pandemic to survive.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And my friend Tina, so I joined her. And you know, I'm obsessed with this story about Horton Hears a Who because it's Dr. Seuss was a genius,
5: mm-hmm.
2: and it's yeah. a perfect story that talks about every town here is. It, every voice has to go and, and say, we're here, we're here, we're here to blast that cloud through on the dust speck so the rest of the area can hear. And, um, and I think, I really truly believe in my heart that, you know, people, nature's calling every, we just go through this pandemic, people are getting out in nature more. They, they couldn't be around crowds, but they got out and they got up here and they enjoyed it. And they said, whoa, what is this? I want to live here. I don't want to go back to what we were. I can't blame them. Can you? No. All right. The only thing I don't want is to see people change things, and I really, deep down, what do you mean when you say change?
3: Yeah, that's uh, yeah.
2: I don't want people coming from New York trying to. What we're trying to sustain is rural life. I guess now we're back onto the rural thing. Um, Well, so from our last show, we defined rural,
3: and and I think we well we may. I won't say I won't speak for you, but to me, it's like living from the land, but. There's a big difference between people who might come from a city and a people who might live here. This is, these are all stereotypes. But, you know, rural areas and villages, according to David Dubbard, I remember, this is really good though, have relied upon informal controls and traditions while city use, cities use regulations. So, for example, if your neighbor's using a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Now, to me, I would walk up to them if I didn't like it, which I would never probably say anything. But let's say it really irritated me. I would personally go to them first. Yes. Is that going to – I feel like going forward that's not going to happen maybe. Well – You could get the good old code enforcement officer or enact a uh, noise ordinance.
4: Well, is there a cost to uh, a personal interaction – yeah. Hey, hey,
3: how are you? You know what it is? It's like whenever I deal with my neighbors, my neighbors, you can't control your neighbors too much unless you have a lot of money. Then you then you buy your tolerance by getting more acreage. That's what I tell people. Don't Bo- buy more land. Bigger lawyers. I don't have much land, right? So, to me, if if there's something my neighbor's not doing, and I and I do make a request of him, there's this double sided. T- there's another side of the sword, right? Because now he's thinking, son of a gun, you know. Now you know. Now there's maybe something that. That he that he wants to reciprocate or doesn't want to now, so right. that's called living with people. But do you, do you need to? Do, so the guy is saying here it's a cultural difference. Do you stick the a regulation on your neighbor, or
2: I do think you do it I personally. Think, you know, I, I I've been through this with my mother. Yeah. About my chainsaws, and what we did was no matter what was said from the neighbor, neighbor didn't come first. And, and and went right to went right to lawyers and uh which which is like wow that's so not rural life. It's, that's so not rural so you lose yeah you lose <laughs> yeah. The, the, it's a courtesy first and and you know you have to have empathy and the the first thing is if you if you align yourself with some kind of a group and i don't care if it's politics religion or whatever you've just now contained yourself where you can only communicate with people that are in your group right and so I don't want to be part of any group because I want to be able to communicate. And and so I, my family's been here a long time. Yeah, but we came from Manhattan three hundred years ago. I didn't come here three hundred years ago. You know, I was born in Kingston. You yeah, know, yeah, right. And um, but it. Uh, I forgot where I was going.
3: Um, well, you were talking about um, it, w- it wasn't rural and involved the lawyers and really.
2: everything. It wasn't, but. W- I, to, to, to say what defines rural would be another thing. It's, it's, it's wanting.
3: And then putting yourself in the tribes, you're saying, and not doing that.
2: Yeah, wanting to be part of something. And and what right? Now, what we have right now is everybody's grouped up into whatever classification they think there are, yeah. and they lose their power of communication. Because, you know, I just had a town board member from Rochester said he was chatting with this person for a long time. And then when the guy asked him what his po- political affiliation was, and he told him he was the opposite of what the guy was, they just had a beautiful conversation and it, and it ended it. Oh, man. That's so too bad. they were communicating till he aligned with the group. Right. And so I think there's more power, and that's why I, I want to have that open communication. And I want to educate. We're here right now on the radio because I want to help educate. Anybody and I want to educate local people that don't understand what it is to be local either. Mm-hmm. Some of the city people coming up totally fit in local. Or to
3: know why people from the city think the way they do. I mean, it like the the second half of what I was saying before about this, this Dubbard guy, he was saying people from the city use regulation because they don't they've come from an area that has been developed heavily and there's a lot of, you know, development there, big developers. They don't trust that the personal thing's gonna work. Yeah. So I mean I, I see the other side of that too. But, yeah, just trying to see where someone comes from, maybe. Well,
2: the the thing that we just talked about, you're walking on the road a lot. I I work and I carve down near a road. Local people or people that grew up around here, somebody walks by, hello, and you wave. And people wave back and say, hello, how are you? Well, I have people walk by my place, and I'm only uh, 50 feet away, and I'll say, they're looking right at me, and I wave. And I'm running a chainsaw. Stop what I'm doing. And I'll say, how are you? And they won't wave, and they walk on. But I I have to understand, as a person that grew up here where everybody was friendly, that when you go down the sidewalk in New York City...
4: You can't be waving at
2: everybody. (laughs) You're in your own world. And I don't know what it's like to be in a city. I don't know what it's like to live in a city. I don't know. There's probably community within communities within communities in the city. But I would say, for the most part, you learn... To, I mean, I went on. I went with Julie. I went on subways. I'd never been on a subway. I thought it was crazy that I'm sitting two feet away from somebody and I want to. I want to talk to them. I want to say hello. How was your day? She says you don't do that. So, so, and I look around and nobody's doing it. So Julie's right. You know, this is the way it is. It's culture. It's cultural.
4: Well, it's a different mindset. We're talking about the local mindset. and This is the urban mindset. Right. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, it's probably hard to introduce yourself to everybody in a city. So I try. You, you just have to live in <laughs> a different way.
3: Well, Zane, what do you think? I mean, you're from central New York, yeah. and central New York's like, a lot different than here. You don't have this, the us versus them city versus whatever. Uh, it's not as touristy, so you don't have that kind of influence. So it's got to be different. You must notice some changes.
4: Yeah, I mean, I grew up, I guess, in a suburban area. Um, I grew up uh, in these wide neighborhoods. I mean, we had trees around, but I I knew that we weren't it, it weren't in this development, in this large treeless uh, housing development. I thought that was a little bit different, but um, uh, but we had woods. We had pockets of woods that we would get to and uh, spend our time in, because that's where kids go. There's no adults there. Uh, but moving down here, you know, this is the mountains. This is certainly different from me. Um, and I've, uh, you know, adopted a different mindset. I've uh, uh, just, uh, I don't know, more, uh, not to say. It is was it
3: more transient, or, I guess? Transient. Or is it less than Syracuse or something? It's definitely
4: slower paced. Yeah. Um, with, it's good and bad. Um, it's more easygoing. But sometimes it's, it's hard because uh, you're not near, say, a city. I mean, living in Kingston for a little bit, you're not near a thriving urban center where you can, go out time and, and make your whole night, you know, you're kind of limited in, in your thrills and excitements and things like that. But yeah. At least in the nighttime.
2: I th- <laughs> yeah. I think those, uh, see, I was fortunate to grow up here in the days of like the last of those old timers that would pass on like Bud and Larry Scherter and sawmill operators and, you know, there, there's no more, you know, Dave Orsch's mill's closed up and mean uh they would tell stories i mean i could tell you a story like when i used to we were talking about the avery road and the aniora community church which was the mortons up in there and they would take all the kids in summer camp we would go to summer camp bible camp there and then they would take you like we're going to hike slide today so when i was a little kid um We'd start going up slide, and there was this old guy who was close to 90 years old. His name was Willard Squire. He was maybe like five feet tall. He had one leg shorter than the other. He had a a big heel on one shoe, and and he had a cane. Willard was going to hike slide. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, so we're going up slide, and we didn't get far in, and Willard was tired. And, you know, Reverend Morton said, does anybody want to stay behind and stay with Willard? And I didn't even take a minute to think about it. I had no interest going to the top of the mountain. It was more valuable to me to talk to that old man and sit there on a rock and listen to his stories. And since I was a kid, I've loved that. Um, You know, I paid a lot of attention to those old-timers, men, women that grew up in the mountain, all the things that they learned and they shared. Um, I think it's important that, you know, as they're passing on, maybe I got to pass it on. You know, maybe I got to bring it back. So I try to. This is where we talked about. You're the, the new old timer, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, the new, new, new I don't want to call you old, but, you know, oh well, yeah, someone's got to take the uh... take the mantle. <laughs> well, there's there's more than me, but there's uh, there's that character and what you talked about the blood that you can't find anywhere else until you get into a small town, yeah. and that is the thing that you don't want to lose. That is the thing. I mean, the stories. I mean, even I remember growing up with uh, just crazy, crazy stories about different people. And, you know, growing up, like if there was a Bert Liefeld was was, was hay in the fields, two or three people would just stop with their car on the way home and help them throw the hay on the, on the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's house burned down. You build them a house. Um, community, the sense of community uh, where people would potluck and bring bring food or they'd have square dances when i was a kid i mean you know you don't hear about that right in the yard they'd have square dances um and uh west show camp was like that olive bridge where i grew up so uh i guess you know gentrification
3: to me is bad in that it's not just um you know, people being too wealthy or something like that. But it it homogenizes. I don't like the homogeny. There's characters, like growing up around New Newports, there's a bunch of characters around town. They were fun. They were interesting people. And
4: uh There's like a they yeah. call it like a flattening. Um everybody's yeah. linked in online and uh socially, um, but we're all linked in the same way and there's just a flattening of personalities and uh viewpoints um people adopt viewpoints and they end up adopting the same one and yeah it just becomes kind of an echo chamber
2: um yeah, yeah. i think yeah. i think if 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 we do anything i, I i'm i am honestly scared and I, not much scares me but i'm scared of uh i mean I, to the point where i've actually thought about down the road selling my place because i'm afraid to see what i grew up with die. Yeah. So that's why i started going to meetings. That's why i want to i want to include myself in trying to build community because you know when i started thinking about that that Horton here's a Who story, how do you build community? And i'm like, well, if you just if you just make that community just the just what you think local is and you don't allow other people in or you don't welcome them in, well then that's eventually just going to die off. I, you got to yeah. reach out and you got to you got to reach out and find strange people, strangers that came from another place, and you got to say welcome. And you got to say, hey. And then you explain to them how it's done here. And you know what? Most of them people, I believe, in their heart, some of them will walk away and say, no, we're not interested in that. We just want to be left alone. Respect that. But at the same time, if you don't reach out ever and you build a wall, we're not going anywhere. We will probably, you know, lose what we have. You
3: might, and it might become gilded. It loses its blood. And what and the best example of this, it's a beautiful area, the upper beaver kill, right, wow. above Lou Beach. It's beautiful. It is. The the, the beaver kill goes through. It's one of the first fly fishing places in the Catskills. It's got fields. The houses, no one really lives in them. It looks nice. It has no blood, though. There's right. no one farming. There's no kids. There's no community. They have the, the, the trout fish hatcheries, like the kind of the last of the Mohicans up there. Yep. But God bless them. But it's like there's just no blood. I don't want it to become like Vermont. Like, you know, Vermont, I used to work there. It looks nice. The southern half. I don't know the northern half. It looks nice. It looks great. But it's it's just there's no, like, rural living as far as, like, people living from the land. Maybe they do it for a while, you know, as a gentleman kind of thing or whatever. And then they go do something else. I don't want that. The Catskills has always been kind of different. In that there was local living, you know, there was people doing forestry, and they had these odd circular mills in the woods, or some guy doing sawmilling somewhere. You know, there, there's people doing those things in the woods. People go to the mountains in the woods to do what? To escape and be themselves. A lot of people do. Right. Let them. But are we going to let them in the future, or are we going to shut it off through zoning? That's what I don't want. Because you know, I I have an idea of what I want in the mountains. But I don't want to tell you you have to do it. Right. <laughs> There's
2: a difference. Well, you know? that was always um a local thing. Was you had you had courtesy and you had um, you had empathy for your neighbors. You did what you needed to do, and they also understood that you needed what to do what you had to do to help pay for your land, you know? The thing that we have going on here, what you're talking about, no blood, you got some of these houses is which is sad because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like defeating it's like a tide came in from the pandemic. The tide came in, and it went way up to the Adirondacks, so we're deep under it. And the townships are trying to make sandbag laws to try to hold back the tide, and you can't hold back the tide. Right. you got to let the tide come in. you got to let the tide go out. Yeah. If you sandbag, what you do is you trap water behind it, and you drown the little people that are here. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of those houses that you say don't have blood is because they're LLCs. They're Airbnbs. Uh, local families, and, and I'm not against, I mean, I'm I'm for a short-term rental. I want local people to be able to make money to help pay their taxes so they don't have to leave here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still trying to learn about the New York State equalization on appraisals, on taxes. I don't quite understand it. It's been tried to, uh, there's a really nice man that's on my town board who's been explaining it to me. And and, and and opening up my eyes to it a little bit better. And I'm grateful to, for that because he did reach out to me Sunday and called me. and hmm. Thank you for coming to the meeting. They want people to come to the meeting. They want people to voice their opinion. And I'm, I'm here, like with Ryan and Zane, to say, local people, if you consider yourself local, I don't care if you've been here two years. I don't care. If you moved here from New York, you've been here two years, right. and you live here full time, and you think you're a local, I guess that would be a local person. If you're here... One of the things that I would say would be that you live here. You live here majority of the time. It's not like you come up here every three weeks, spend a weekend, and go back to the city. You're here. And so the short-term rental, Airbnb thing is if you live here on the property, you got an accessory building on your property, I'm all for that. I'm for a local person having a couple campers or a yurt and making a little money so they can pay their taxes. Pay their taxes and then they can remain on the land. Yeah. But if you steal Yeah. There's
3: not many things you can do to make money and afford a a forest or a property anymore. So as much as Airbnb might raise rents, you know, you've taken away a lot of other things through zoning. You know, try to get a variance for other land uses. You know what I mean? Especially if you're not in an ag district. So I you know, I used to say the only thing that's allowed in most of these some of these towns is sleeping. Well now now they're coming after sleeping. (laughs) Right? Airbnb. Yeah. And a lot of our members, Catskill Four Association, um, yeah, they, they afford their properties through the Airbnb. Yeah. There's negative consequences to it, but, you know,
2: who am I to decide? I don't know. My, my, friend, my friend Tina has a farm, and she had a couple campers, and she got through the pandemic. Otherwise, she wouldn't have survived. Right. She got through it, you know, uh, renting out her campers.
3: And to me, it's really a supply issue anyway. It's, you know, yeah, do I want to see the Catskills develop? no again who am i to tell you what to do with your land
2: but there's no there's no there's really no new houses being built there are like below below ted is 64 acres sold eight houses that are going to cost close to a million dollars each are going in there i know but it, it pales in comparison
3: to the 1980s and 70s when the house i live in now a ranch was built right exactly Do you know what i mean yeah affordable houses yeah and Let's be honest, the reason why a ranch is probably built a lot back then is because, you know, you can it passes code easy, you know? Yep. Passes, you going to say something, Zane? Well, yeah, I
4: mean, going back to uh, uh, zoning, uh, ordinances, things like that, those didn't come from uh, rural areas. Those came from urban areas, um, and there's good reason for that. You know, uh, concentrated human settlements, they need... Uh, the reality of sanitation waste removal uh uh, alleviating congestion but maybe those aren't the same systems that are best uh utilized in rural rural areas there might be better systems the more bottom-up systems that were
2: well i agree with you a lot of the towns didn't understand what zoning and codes were they went to like suburban areas Town of Olive copied and pasted from Rockland, didn't they? No, Westchester. Somewhere was it down Westchester? there. Westchester. Yeah. yeah. And basically they hired a company, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, they hired a company to bring up the vote. They went into a suburban area and they got a the company just took the code book from one place, rewrote it in Town of Olive, stamped it, and that was back in like seventy five. And and when I was going to when I was gonna uh fight, one of the things that it said was um in there was, you know, uh common household tool in the Catskills. Uh, one of the one of the things that the neighbor was coming after me was they said the chainsaw is not a common household tool. Wow. And and <laughs> so I put that on social media and then if you know 3 or 400 people show up at a firehouse to say I got 5, I got 3. Right. And they weren't professionals. These were people that do firewood and stuff like that. Yeah. Which were since we're in that direction, some of these towns are passing zoning so that, you know, you come up from New York, this is what we got to educate them. We work all week. On the weekends, we cut our firewood. We mow our lawns. Mm. They work all week. They come here. They don't want to hear your saw. They don't want to hear your mower. Because they had a landscape company come. Not everybody. Right. Not everybody. And I don't like lumping everybody in. Sure. But where we are, a lot of it... and, And I don't think it's because... I just don't think anybody's educated them. Yeah. Because, you know, like, you can get caught into living your life where your life is a bubble and you're not thinking about other people. You go through your day and you live in a place where there's 11 or 12 million people. You go out your door. Maybe you live in your apartment building and you know your neighbors, but you go out on the sidewalk and you walk down. And I'm not speaking from experience, believe me. I have. This is just me imagining yeah. what it would be like, trying to be empathic, to understand. And I couldn't imagine every day having to do that. Without saying hello to however many thousand people I met along the way, Mm. I think we need to realign these people that come up here to say, hey, like even that person that walked past my place when I was carving, I shut this off. Next time I see that woman, I'm going to say, excuse me, I would really like to say hello to you. You know, my name's Hoppy. I live here. Yeah, call the cops. You? you know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right, back away, guys. He's outside. She's get maced. <laughs> but I think if we didn't yeah, have, yeah.
4: if we didn't have those zoning and ordinances and things like that, we would have to have another system of things like personal interaction, mm-hmm. these uh, community networks, um, tolerance,
3: tolerance, absolutely. <laughs> well, there's also hey, it, zoning's not old. I mean. Most towns, 1980s, you know, before what did they do before? In fact, I was, there was 75. There was a lot of immigrants that moved into areas of Ulster County, for example. Do you think that when the Italian immigrants moved into Highland, Ulster County, in the 1920s, all the neighbors were just peachy about these big families with 10 of them coming out? <laughs> no, not at all. They had to tolerate them. They had to. I think we've lost that with zoning. You know, I, I've railed it gives on zoning an
4: excuse a lot. to not tolerate. You exactly. Don't
3: need to. You don't need to. There's just this well, here,
4: here, uh, set rule.
3: Here's another the thing. The cost I've, of zoning have not been um, gone into, is what
2: I'm saying. We've only talked about the benefits, I feel, until yeah. now. Here's, here's a, 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 a. I think this was a law enacted. I'm not quite sure, so I don't want to. But they're passing laws that say to try to stop. New York City from putting in multiple places that you can only build on on a ta- 10 acre, one house per 10 acres. Mm. Now, think about the family who can't afford to rent a house, whose kids grow up and maybe they got six or seven acres, and they'd like to take three and and, and give it to their daughter and, and their grandkids so that they can stay in the town so they can build a house. I'm right. all for that. And I hate to see these laws. So it's really hard on town. Elected officials anymore, because they're kind of caught yeah they're, they're caught with this major surge coming in of money and people, and at the same time they have to protect what's here, and that what they're protecting is very small, and this is big, so they kind of steer their their, their, their focus on that bigger picture, and then by doing that, they take their focus away from the little guy. It's a good
3: point with the minimum acreage size. Yeah, if you, like I live on 1.8 acres right, I can't afford the taxes in Ulster County on five acres right 10 acres on most places it's not happening yeah town of Rochester is double my taxes just a stone's throw away the mice the same house that's I've me. looked at ranches across the border it'll be six grand mine's almost half that and we'll see with this full assessment it might yeah. go up. but but is that much difference yeah that's a truck every 10 years a right. new vehicle to me right now how does that translate to the forest Think about all the money on if you own more land that could have been done to forest management, or maybe putting it back into your home. It matters. That's lost. That's lost money. All those people that could have been doing thinning jobs, wildlife habitat management, or whatever, uh, home improvement. They're just you know to help ta- to taxes. Yeah, but they need to do those things to help pay their taxes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, the minimum acreage size. I mean, who does that discriminate against if you
2: hire it? Well, at you know yeah. at one time they're trying to keep they're trying to keep the money from coming in. <laughs> and what's happening is you'll have a you'll have some guy build a house and he's building the house on spec to sell. So he builds a house for himself and he says and he makes a duplicate house on a lot next door and that one's for sale and he gets mad because the taxes on his house are the same as what they just appraised this other house he wants that appraisal to be high because he's going to try to sell it. right? And and at the same time, he doesn't want his appraisal on it. And this is the legit story, you know. This is actually happening down there, So all around us. So it, it makes it really difficult because there is no set. Like back in the day when it was mostly the majority was local, you could deal with that. But we don't have that now. And now we have division on top of that. Yeah. So for, for uh, elected officials, boards... All around all I can say is my part, our part, what I believe and your part you 're a part of my community, even the Marville area this to me, I live in the town of Rochester, but all of the Catskills is my community yeah i 'm from the Catskill Mountains, and I love them um, I love the animals here you know um, i love I love the people uh, i I go visit I can go to Phoenicia, and I know as many people as I know, and Olive, as I know in Accord, and uh hurley marble town all of the towns i mean i thought about going to town board meetings it's just like i don't have enough time in the evening (laughs) right to sit and see if it's anything that's
4: that's a a real problem yeah Um, community input is important but not if it's not representative of what the community really is and yeah not everybody has the time and uh ability to go out to these meetings well i figured if
2: i go and i pay attention maybe another person goes and pays attention and with the use of social media, you can alert people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I went through the thing, I put on social media, hey, a chainsaw is not a common household tool. What? A it lot of people show up. It is isn't my house. Yeah. A lot of everybody has. Yeah. But on the, same, on the same thing, there was a person that drove a school bus, took the school bus home, big diesel school bus, 5 o'clock in the morning, has to warm up the diesel. Neighbor complained. Next thing you know, everybody's getting flyers in their mailbox. Mm. Hey, we're going to take all commercial vehicles. We want them to park out into one parking lot. That means every mason, every electrician, every carpenter, anybody has got commercial plates would have to park. Jesus. I mean, you know how when they, when they put those flyers out, believing, because this is the thing, when people don't educate people that come into an area. like right. Listen, if we all went to a schoolyard, there's a set of rules. And if you're new, you gotta learn out how it is to survive there. And it's the same thing here. But if we put those walls up and we say, I don't want nothing to do with those people, well then, then those people are gonna figure it out themselves. And maybe they don't, they're not educated in our way of life. Or they didn't hear the stories from the old timers that yeah. passed down through generation through generation. And uh, they don't know what it was like to live here when it was there was no reservoir, you know. That information was passed down by by herding turkeys from Pine Hill. My great uncle, eighty nine, telling me the story as a kid hired to herd turkeys down to the train down in Olive. Herd turkeys? Herding turkeys through the mountains. They'd slept and they camped in the woods. Him and a bunch of other boys, and they'd herd these turkeys. Domesticated turkeys?
3: Yeah. What the hell? This is you got you got to talk more about that. Yeah. What are you talking about?
2: i mean these are stories that i heard <laughs> from relatives really yeah no yeah my uncle roy barringer worked for babcock's dairy for for years he died there in the ha- in the building he lived in the basement and he was blind and he worked on small engines but his brother claude was the water boy when they were doing the reservoir he would walk around with a bucket and bring the ladle and, well shoot happy what about your uh relative up there or
3: that's now considered wilderness area they used to live up there there's a farm up on the mountain now it's a state forest preserve. You're talking about area. the Peekamoose. Yeah. That was my great-great-grandmother. Just think about how crazy that is, though. Now yeah. it's wilderness area, yeah. right? Meaning devoid of human beings. Back to being this wild. This urban construct so that wild. was made in New York City. But your family member used to have a farm up there.
2: <laughs> well, you know, that was, somebody That's said, a, how did they get way up there? And I said, well, when you think about it, they lived down in, in the valley. So when they flooded the valley... The wealthier people got the bottom land, the ones on the edge of the of the of the, of the lake. Mm-hmm. And then the poorer you were, the further up the mountain and the rockier the property was. So my we ended it's up we were we didn't have a lot nowadays. of money. Huh?
4: It's kind of the inverse nowadays.
3: Yeah, right. I mean when the, when the Smileys bought Mohawk Mountain House in the 1800s, that was the worst garbage land you could find <laughs> on the Shangham Ridge. Yeah. Now it's like you can't find a plot on the mountain. <laughs> right. Well, it's the same all around, right? The high, get yeah. the views. Isn't that funny? If you're tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is Sustaining Local with Happy Quick.
1: Blaming all on my roots, I showed up in boots. Ruined your black tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes
6: when I took his glass of champagne. And I toasted you, said, Honey, we may be through, but you'll
1: never hear me complain. I got
6: friends in low places where Yeah, I got friends in where the whiskey and the beer my blues away. and I'll be okay.
3: okay. Alright, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is Sustaining Local with Hoppy Quick, and uh, I guess he's our friend in low places. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hoppy uh we 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 were almost out of time here but what do you think in your your mind is it a challenge we we're talking about it off air a little bit and then i think zane wanted to say something
4: well yeah before you go, go into that that's a good word challenge i think um hoppy when your ancestors came here this was frontier you know this was an actually wild frontier and um nowadays what frontiers do we have left? There's not, what's the new frontier? And I think it's what you've been talking about, these uh, uh, going to the end of your driveway and waving at someone um, or introducing yourself, these personal interactions. I think for some, for a lot of people, that is a new frontier. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting used to that and uh, asking questions, willing to be educated, moving to an area and not knowing anybody, not knowing anything. And uh, finding a guy like you at Teta's and uh, thinking, well, this guy seems to be a local. He's you know, he's a nice guy. And approaching you and just asking a question.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think uh, you know, like my family came here. We weren't the first, you know. The uh, the native people that were here, my family came and intruded on their land. You know? History repeats itself. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, you know. It's the same thing, you know. We we didn't belong here at one time. We just we migrated up from Manhattan and we got to Kingston, which was the capital in New York and from there out into into the hills, but into land that was already being used. I mean, my my history goes back to where my family name is notorious for being not nice to native people. So, I'm mm. not proud of that fact, but it is part of my history. Yeah. And um, you know, and we didn't live back then. You know, you got your family, and somebody tells you to go up, and you got land here, and you just try to, you know. It's a, but now it's, um, it's a matter of money. It's all a matter of money. There's a lot of money in New York City, and that money now is just dumped on us. And it's not all on us. And the same people that are trying to live here, we said before it's um, symbiotic, they need to, to live off the people that are coming here. There is no industry. IBM pulled out. There was that back in the day when I was going to high school. There was IBM. There was a lot of people worked there. There's no industry. Yeah. Civil service, schools. If you're not doing that, I'm an artist. Um, you know, carpenters and stuff. Local people do their own work. If you're a contractor, you're not going to make much money off of locals. We have a service industry.
3: Yes. Sir. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't become, and I heard this from another person a long time ago. Those trying to make a living versus those trying to stop other people from making a living. Oh. And that's what I fear, you know. You have to tolerate your neighbors, you know. You should. I'm not gonna say have to you should tolerate your neighbors if, you know, different strokes for different folks, live and let live. If your neighbor has a diesel truck, you know, did you not know he had one or right. I mean that it's the boundary line's right there. Is there a sawmill? Does he have a sawmill? Does he cut firewood? You know, it's kind of like you said it was the frontier zane. Hmm. Well, the people when they moved here were kind of ignorant that there was all these oak trees and blueberries. Well, how did they get there? Fire. They didn't know about fire. They just thought it was wild and wilderness. That's why Kingston was called Wiltwick. The Dutch called it that, wild land or whatever. Well, it's kind of happening now, right? How many times you go on walks and the people are like, "This is primeval." You're like, "There was a field here, mm-hmm. right? That aspen tree grew in full sunlight." Yeah. So I think we kind of got you know we're shading out some of this history and 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 repeating that that kind of ignorance and it doesn't need to be.
4: Yeah, we're forgetting it.
3: Yeah. Um,
4: but you just it's just looking in the woods and having somebody there educating you. Education, what, what you're looking at
2: is the best thing to top. Not not, the, not so much a tolerance, but educating. You know, we can learn things too. You, you know?
4: see what you know. And uh, the more you know, the more you, you see, and that changes how you live in an area. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. I agree.
2: I agree. Unfortunately, guys, we're out of time. So can I say something really quick? Yeah. Um, I want to just put out there, go to your local town board meetings, pay attention. <laughs> you don't have to say anything, just listen. And not everybody needs to go, and if somebody does go, share it with your community. And at the same time, don't don't turn your back on anybody because they're from the city or because they're newcomers. Because you know we were all here at different times, and you know extend a hand, invite your neighbor over for a barbecue, get to know them, explain how you do firewood, why you do it, why you do it on the weekend because you work all week, and they'll say oh, because a lot of it you know we grew up in, when you grew up here in the mountains you grow up with common sense. Yeah, most people are well intentioned. Yes, I, I believe it. they still are, believe and that. I think that I think we can have a bigger better community with a bigger voice
3: sure thanks hoppy for making the trip and coming on tonight hey thanks for having me up all right have a good night and see you next week
5: up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way his ragged coat around him as upon his car, he lay and he wondered how it happened that he ended up this way it ain't lost like As he lay there sleeping, a vision did appear. Upon his mantle shining, the face of one so dear, who'd loved him in the springtime of a long-forgotten year. Touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name. And then he heard the joyful sound of children at the games. In an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town.
0: Delia IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. O'Connell and Aronowitz Attorneys at Law since 1925 for legal representation from the routine to the more complex committed to the fair treatment of all individuals family law wills trusts and estate planning litigation accidents and personal injury constitutional law Medicaid planning elder care and health law criminal defense not-for-profit and entity formation